Hey everyone, welcome back to Stories from the Influencer Economy. This is Ryan Williams. Excited you're here for episode number 50. My guest is Veronica Belmont. This is a big episode for me because it's 50, but only in number, and it's no bigger than any other episode that I've recorded. But I wanted to say thank you so much because this is apparently a milestone. Though I don't look at it that way, I feel like every episode of the 50 is equally as important. It's like loving your kid. You you love every kid equally. But it is a big time uh, opportunity for me just to say thank you. I uh, could not be more than appreciative and grateful by everyone listening and sharing the show to their friends and communities out there. So Veronica was a great guest. I don't really have anything else to say other than thank you and just keep giving me feedback on the show. Love hearing from you all. Ryan at InfluencerEconomy.com is the email. Also hit me up on Twitter if you have any thoughts about the podcast or anything I'm working on, including the Influencer Economy book. That's at Ryan J. Will. So without further ado, happy 50th episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Stories from the Influencer Economy here this week with my guest, Veronica Belmont. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Coming together after connecting down at South by Southwest. As people do, yeah. As people do. We actually only spoke for maybe 10 minutes. You were eating a pizza. I was walking to another party. As people do. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you need down in Austin. Indeed. I definitely needed that pizza at that point. And you guys, you and Tom Merritt, who was a previous guest, y'all were having a meetup down there and you were taking time out to like grab a slice of, of pizza. But yeah, South by Southwest is great. You Honestly, you connect with people for a matter of minutes. And sometimes, you know, those minutes actually matter a lot more. But you never would have come across those folks if you didn't go down there. Very true. I know. I've, I've met so many amazing people throughout the years of going. Some I don't even have a, a pass anymore. I don't typically get a South by Southwest pass for, inter, pass for interactive or music or anything. I just go and go to meetups like that one and, and meet people on the street and go out to dinner and have drinks. And that's really what I'm there for. Yeah, you can get the content anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. South by Southwest, always a success. And I had Tom on. He was great. Filmed our interview, and he has the studio that looks like it's like a sorcerer's library with like a bookcase in the background. And so he, I got yeah, a bookcase, too. You have a bookcase. I yeah, do. yours it's is more academic close. looking. It's it's more of the same nerdy stuff that, that Tom probably has. You just can't, maybe can't see it as well. Tom's got like a dark and dingy basement. And yours is more of like a optimistic and happy, like PhD level reading in there. <laughs> I would beg to to argue on that point, but yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff back there. A lot of uh, previous sword and laser picks, uh, books sent to me by authors, uh, some some stuff on social media. I think there's some stuff in there as well, uh, and just trinkets and knickknacks from throughout the years. I like the word knickknack, by the way. It's a good one. Where are you from originally? Connecticut. Oh, nice. I went to high school in Connecticut. Did you? Where? In Wallingford, Connecticut. Oh, right on. I'm from West Hartford. Okay. Hartford is great pizza there. Uh, is there? Yeah, there is. <laughs> Very good pizza. For folks at home, can you explain what Sword and Laser is, which is a very popular podcast in iTunes and really online, and you and Tom are co-hosts of it. Yeah, we've been doing Sword and Laser uh, since 2007, I believe, or 2008. Uh, And we originally started it because I was leaving CNET, where Tom and I both worked, and we wanted to find a way to keep working together somehow and and do a show about topics that we're both really passionate about. Uh, We already had kind of covered the tech angle, so we decided to go 
the sci-fi fantasy angle because that's something else we talked about frequently, uh, both together and on Buzz Out Loud. Uh, I am more of a fantasy fan. He's more of a sci-fi guy. So we decided that we would kind of educate the other person on, on the opposite genre. And that's where Sword and Laser came from. And we started as a book club on a social network or called Ning, uh, which is no longer, I, I don't believe it's actually around anymore. No. They kind of pivoted and changed what they did. Uh, but it used to be a group site, so you could have a, a club about anything pretty much online. And uh, yeah, we just started up the forum, started talking about books, and then naturally we kind of you know went in the podcast direction because we were both into that and, and you know enjoyed doing shows together, and it just made sense. You're old school, like in this world of podcasting. Yeah, we're pretty. I'm I'm pretty OG in terms like, of podcasting. And for people sure. quit, right? Because 2006 was a really big year for podcasting, and then Twitter at one point was called Odeo, mm -hmm. and they had. A I podcasting. actually worked out of the uh, Twitter offices when they were still working on Odeo. I I rented office space when Twitter was just a just a wee little hatchling in a shell. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Are you in the hatching Twitter book as like one of their coworkers? Spaces. I was interviewed for the book, um, but I wasn't, I don't think any of my, I, I'm not named in the book. I'm thanked in the book because um, Nick Bilton is a very good friend of mine. Oh, nice. Um, but we did not, yeah, I, I actually had signed an NDA at the time. So a lot of what I heard about, I, I can't really talk about, um, but I more talked about the atmosphere of the space and what it was like being there in the early days. And um, yeah, it, so that was pretty interesting having to bring up all those memories because I, I didn't, had I known at the time, I would have written more things down but I didn't. <laughs> I'm uh, actually, I've been emailing with Nick about coming on the podcast. Oh, good. Well, yeah, you can feel free to, to say that I was on the show and had I a will. good time. I'm assuming I will have a good time. Because he lives, uh, he, he's down here now in LA. Yeah, yeah. So then at that point, what's cool is that you stuck with the medium. How would you characterize yourself? You're a journalist or you're broadcast or you just yourself? I'm definitely not. a. I would not consider myself a journalist. Um, I'm myself on podcasts, uh, if that makes any sense. I, I, you know, just today alone, I'm doing four shows, four different shows, uh, two with Tom Merritt. Oh, nice. You guys can't <laughs> get enough. That are not sword and laser. You can't yeah, get enough. Yeah, which is the weirdest part. Um, yeah, I just became a, a paid contributor to Daily Tech News Show uh, oh, cool. as of today. That's great. Yeah, and I'm also doing guesting on his show Cord Killers with him and Brian Brushwood. That's the TV recap show? Yeah, they cover pretty much, if you can watch it online, they talk about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I even say on my website, like I have a very hard time explaining what it is I do for a living because I do a lot of very disparate things. Uh, podcasting is probably the, the foremost of what I do or, or what I'm known for day to day. Um, but I do stuff for corporate clients. I MC events. I, I do voice acting. I do uh, startup advising. It, it kind of runs the gamut of, of everything in my interest wheelhouse. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to say that because not everyone gets to you know, not only work in something they're passionate in, but work in many things they're passionate in. What's your background, would you say, like, or the back, sorry, the backbone of what you're doing? Is it based on the technology side or is it based on just your general interest in like geek type subject matter? Yeah, I don't really know a good answer to that. Um, I guess it is kind of that, that backbone of being, you know, interested in technology and geek culture, being able to speak to it, uh, being doing it, uh, having done it for many years. Um, I say well-spoken, then I say be doing it, be doing it real yeah. good for many times. Yeah, we like uh, improper English here. Yeah, uh, it's it's still kind of early in the day for me. I've only had one cup of coffee, so I'll, I'll be better by the time <laughs> TTNS rolls around at one. 
Um, yeah, so that's it's. We're, tr- we're trying to get you psyched up for your day. Yeah. Get, get out, you know, because this isn't a paid gig, right? So when you're on Daily Tech News, you want to be firing yeah, at all really cylinders. Bring bring it all out at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a strange road, but I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. Was there one moment when you realized that you? I'm sure you still feel like you're gaining footing. I mean, I feel like a lot of successful people they keep going and going. They don't necessarily just say, "Oh yeah, I made it." And you've hinted at that as well. But yeah, I've never, I, I'm never satisfied. I, I'm always kind of reaching for the next thing. I, I'm, you know, working on many different TV projects right now, and I don't know which of them, if any, will stick. Uh, but that's kind of my latest goal. Um, I, I love doing web TV stuff, but there's something very alluring about the idea of, of doing television as well. Um, and I've done occasional, you know, bits and pieces here and there, but to have my own show is kind of my next, next reach. What type of format would it be? Hosting? Seriously, every five show that I'm working on in, in like pre-development right now is completely different. So yeah, I would be hosting um, or producing. And yeah, it's just interesting how all, all the different ideas that have either come to me or that I've put out there and pitched into the world are, are very different, but all it's still definitely who I am as a presenter and, and very much in my, my interest. I like the term presenter, very British. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I sometimes I, TV host sounds weird to me, so I, I don't typically use it. Uh, TV presenter sounds better. I'm not sure why. Maybe so then, because it does sound British. It sounds so <laughs> formal, right? Because everyone over there has been a presenter at one point in their life. Like, you meet some guy who's a tech entrepreneur. Oh, I used to be a presenter on the BBC. And there you go. I just got to move and become a. I, I did, I've done stuff for BBC America. I've done two shows for them, uh, as well as some stuff for BBC Click. Uh, but it's. Yeah, actually working for the BBC would be great. So was there a moment you felt like you were at least could breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief? Because I imagine there's some consternation and stress when you're going all in on yourself and these types of projects, especially on the web, mm-hmm. because the web was a, an unknown unknown back in 2006, working out of the Twitter office. Yeah, it was tough because I left, uh, I left CNET then, uh, approximately, I believe it was 2007. No. Yeah, I think it was 2007, actually. Could I, you I might have what my you did at CNET? Yeah, I, was an, I started there as an intern, uh, audio production intern. Uh, that kind of flourished into becoming the podcast producer for, for most of the company. Uh, primarily, I was working on Buzz Out Loud, but I was also working on a show called MP3 Insider and Crave, which was a video show as well, um, and then producing for some of the other podcasts that were out there at the time. And then my boss, Mark Larkin, gave me an opportunity to write and create video content for CNET TV, which was in the process of relaunching. And I just took the chance. And I I wasn't sure if I could do it. I had never done on camera before. Uh, But it was great because I was learning all aspects of it. I was writing my own script. I was presenting it. I was editing it at some points, um, which was new for me because video editing wasn't something I had actually learned in school. I was in, I went to school for audio production. Where'd you go to school? Emerson in Boston. Oh, Emerson Mafia. Yeah. Are you, wait, are you Emerson Mafia? No, but like LA is everyone. Oh, you know, that's, is, yeah, that's what we call ourselves. It's so. from, Emer- from the Mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny that people who didn't go to Emerson actually know Emerson Mafia. Well, they just, they're everywhere. Because we say it, do we, do they say it to you? Do they say, oh, I'm Emerson Mafia? You just like, well, kind of. I mean, they're just, they're there's ubiqu- like a website. There's they're actually ubiquitous. And they just act like there's this, everyone you meet, they're like, oh, you should meet my friend from Emerson or I'm going to an Emerson party. That's so, so funny. I can't I remember how Emerson I heard the- parties in San Francisco. I need to get that started. But I moved out here with five other Emerson alum. 
Um, so I'm, I'm a huge Emerson fan. I was, uh, they gave me an award a couple of years ago. Um, and that was like a highlight of my life. I what was, was so it? Uh, they gave me the young alumni award. Oh, nice. So I went back to Boston, um, and, and, you know, gave a little talk and, uh, they, I just, I'm, I'm, yeah, you're going to get me on an Emerson kick now. I should have like the little Emerson banner in the background because I talk about it so yeah, much. You need a pennant on your wall. There you go. That's the name of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing I'm talking about. Yeah. I should order one. That would be funny. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a proud Emerson alum at this point. I, well, I always have been. It was the only school I applied to and the only school I wanted to go to. And so then now that you're successful with like all these different projects and shows... At the end of the day, like if you're looking back at your experiences, mm-hmm. obviously Emerson was a big moment. The CNET internship turned into something big. Was there a moment where you felt a show or a series that you think you you put yourself out there more than others that turned into something that developed a following? Because I feel like you're talking about embracing your personality. Buzz Out Loud really was what kicked everything off for me, I think, because I had never been someone to talk on the other side of the board before. I had never turned my own microphone on, as it were. Um, so being able to do that and and realizing that people liked my personality and, and were interested in what I had to say, I think was that little kick in the butt that made me think, oh, I could do this. This is something I can do. You know, it's it's a very strange memory that I have, but I was in the car with my mom once when I was very young and she, we were kind of talking about like what I wanted to do for a living. I don't think I've ever said this out loud before. So this is pretty funny. I was like, I want to be the expert at something. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I want to be the person they call to talk about a topic on a show. Looking back on that now, it was so weirdly specific that I had that desire to be an expert at something. And, and even to this day, I don't really consider myself an expert at any one thing. I, I am interested in many different things and I can speak to a lot of them, but I'm not like the definitive go-to guy for a thing. Um, but just that, that I even considered that a goal of any kind is, is very strange for me and, you know, very prescient, I guess it's, it's, it's strange. I have a section in my book about everyone in modern media is Jay-Z because you do 50 things. So, you know, he's like an agent, he's a music mogul, mm-hmm. he's married to Bay. Like, he's got a lot of different jobs. That's a goal. I got to be married to Bay. Yeah. You got to put should, that on should, the bucket list. Should be high on the priority list. Yeah. You can refocus your energy towards that. But you're, you're doing like, you know, 30 different jobs for one project at this point. You know, you can't just get away with being, you know, producer or host or editor. It's like you have to have a skill set that is cultivated at tons of different skills. Mm-hmm. to survive otherwise people will overlook you would you agree with that yeah and also I don't want to get too tied down in one thing because you know I maybe I don't always want to be on camera maybe I don't always want to do podcasts every day maybe I want to go into a different field and and if I at least have the background the basis for a different gig then I feel like I, I'm much better set up um I, I always think about like, you know, what's the next thing going to be? I never really know, but it's good to be prepared in a lot of different areas, I think. How is it being in San Francisco for your work, especially now that you're trying to work in television and a lot of that's not in San Francisco? It's not super easy. I mean, I don't mind traveling, so that's that's okay. But, 
one of the projects would potentially be, you know, a weekly thing down in LA. And so mm -hmm. that would be a lot of traveling and a lot of work, but I think it would be worth it. Um, when I was doing Mahalo Daily uh, down in LA, we, we shot occasionally up in San Francisco, but I was down there maybe two weeks out of the month uh, shooting shows. And that definitely took its toll, but I think I'm more mentally prepared for it now. I think I'm in a better place and, and, and know what I want to do. So it doesn't seem so unusual or difficult. It's just part of my job now. With Mahalo Daily and shows like that, could you sort of explain a bit, so you have a tech background where you talk about tech culture, mm -hmm. and then you have the sci-fi world. Like, Can you just explain your multiple uh, facets of your personality and work? <laughs> I think primarily there's three categories. It's, it's technology, consumer tech, um, geek culture, things related to that cultural stuff, and then sci-fi fantasy, which kind of falls under the geek culture thing, but is much more, it's a, it's a different community, and it's, it's, very, it's a very close-knit, tight-knit community. Wh which one's that? The sci-fi fantasy community, okay. genre fiction. And that's probably really my, my favorite world to talk in and speak to, because it's, it's, something, it's been an interest of mine for my entire life. And, you know, getting to talk to authors that I'm so that I love. And, and, you know, if an author that I have read for 20 years follows me on Twitter, it's like a big deal for me. So I still get that, that like fangirl excitement that maybe I don't get as much in tech. What type of books and authors are you talking about? Oh, I don't want to, I don't, <laughs> I don't not, not the, not the people that have followed you that okay. you're getting fired up over. We, well, we, if I admit them, then that'll be, that'll, if I say, we'll, all right, we'll, well okay, we'll that's keep, dumb. I'm, I'm being stupid right now. We can now keep them I'm, on the DL. You can okay. just name others. Well, like, like Tad Williams, Robin Hobb, George R. R. Martin, you know, Neil Stevenson, William Gibson, uh, Marie Brennan. I mean, there's just so much, she's newer, but there's just so many authors whose books I've, I've, Gail Carriger that I've, I've totally fallen in love with and getting to have conversations with them is a big deal for me. And I think that that excitement kind of translates through the microphone and, and people That's get cool. excited about it. And, you know, they're as passionate about it as I am. So it's, so you it's represent just a great community. You're like representing people that would love to have the same conversation. Yeah, we're proxies, yeah. you know, and I think I think people like that. So they get you get there. You vote for everyone. Yeah, I'm casting my ballot. I've actually ne I've never heard of half those people you just mentioned. So I don't think I'm completely in your demographic. That's okay. That's that's allowed. You can listen to the show and learn about them. You sound like you're working on a lot. What's your week like as far as making content and the shows that you're on? Um, it changes week to week. If I'm shooting a show, then I'm on location and I'm I'm in that to hundred percent. If I'm if I'm not like a week like this, then I I fill it with all sorts of different stuff. So today I'm doing four different shows, yours included. Um, so there's you know prepping for those shows, recording those shows, doing the actual show, uh, finding time to eat and take care of my dog, uh, you know, fitting. What kind of dog do you have? She's a Goldador. She's okay. a Golden Retriever, Yellow Lab Mix. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a Guide Dogs for the Blind career change dog. Is that a big dog? Um, she's 70 pounds. Yeah. She's pretty big. She's, yeah, she, she can fit in my lap still if she really wants to, but it's not, <laughs> not comfortable for anyone. For, right. For either of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's great. But yeah, we, so 
got to take care of her. So there's stuff like that or pre-production for, for other projects or writing scripts for other projects or, you know, maintaining and managing social media, um, emails. Of course, there's always a hundred thousand emails I have to get to. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed like bag a, of do stuff. Do you have an assistant or are you all solo? I'm all solo. I've considered it in the past, but I'm, I think I, I'm not very good at delegating. I'm better at just getting it done. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I need an assistant at this point. The emails haven't become overwhelming to the point where I need to, you know, relegate them to, to someone else. And then do you have an agent for your TV projects? I do. I've worked with the same agent uh, since the Mahalo days. So uh, George has been my agent for, for many, many years. Um, and he's great. So he, he takes a look at all my contracts. He's a lawyer as well. So he looks at all my contracts, just make sure I'm not getting screwed over, um, does all the, the haggling and back and forth so I don't have to because I'm terrible about talking about money. Um, so he's, he's better with that and finding me new projects to work on. Are you handling your podcast stuff separately for the most part? Oh yeah, totally. Book, booking it and yeah, I do all the all the scheduling and managing for for Sword and Laser, getting artists on, getting authors on. Uh, that's yeah, we we still do that. Uh, we would love to have an intern for Sword and Laser, but we've been doing it ourselves for so long. It was a really big deal for me to even hire an editor this year. So I've edited the show for you know seven years, and then I just decided I wanted someone else to to sweeten it and make it better, and you know. It was it was hard, and I, I still get a little nitpicky with Jacob, which I feel terrible about. Um, but he he does a great job, and and that's one less thing I have to kind of think about. And can you just give us a sample episode of Sword and Laser? Because the community there is phenomenal, and they yeah, they're great. So we they they find all so we intro the show. Um, for a typical episode, there's no interview, uh, but we'll do uh, kick off the show with the what are we drinking segment. So we talk about what beverages we're imbibing that evening. Um, and then we go into quick burns, which is a rundown of the, the hot news items in the genre fiction world. Uh, and those are sourced by ourselves and the audience. So we have a thread on the forums where audience members suggest topics to talk about. And so we, we give them a shout out and then talk into that, that topic. Then um, we do Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Um, so emails, forum posts that we find interesting. Um, where where do your forums Twitter. live? On, on the website? Goodreads. No, Goodreads. Oh, Goodreads. So you use like a book social network to right. cultivate your, your content and community? Yep. And then we do the book of the month discussion. So we talk about the latest book club pick, uh, you know, do some fan posts about that as well. So as you can, as you can just tell from this description, the fans are a hugely important part of sword and laser. Um, the, you know, they, they decide what we talk about. They, they are the content of the show. Um, so without them, it would be a, a much different kind of podcast. And Tom was calling them as if he said the community is like the third host. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Like he'll learn stuff from people and people will point out like inaccuracies. And... They're way smarter than us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All and the so, time. And how long have you been doing the show? Uh, since 2000, uh, I think the first episode of the show was 2008, but the book club has been around since 2007. And do you still have a lot of the same original members? Have you noticed like there's the... Yeah, I think we do. I mean, there's definitely people who I, I can just start naming names. And, and these are people who have been around for as long as I can remember. Um, and you, we, we have in-person book club meetups now, too. So the San Francisco chapter gets together every month and, and we go meet up at Borderlands and then go out to dinner and drinks afterwards. So it's like a real in-person community, too. 
So your IRL. Yeah, we are the, totally meat space. That's so important because mm-hmm. people don't think you can, you can't just keep everything online. You have to actually get to know faces. I mean, it's hard because we have, you know, 22,000 members on Goodreads. I'm, I, I can't meet all of them. No way. But I can meet the, you know, the 10 people that show up to the San Francisco meetup and get to know them, which is really cool. What's that like when you get to know people and you actually have this like maybe year plus background of interacting it's total. It feels very natural. I mean, it was the same way with uh, my guild members for World of Warcraft. When we meet in person, it's just like, oh, there's Roger. I've known Roger for seven years, and now we're meeting in person, and it's totally normal. And it's yeah, it's it's we're we're more used to it now. I think it's not a weird thing anymore to meet someone that you know online in person. And so, World of Warcraft for those is a social, especially a social network. Would just you say kind of a big, big interactive social network? It's just yeah. like you hang out with people in this game, and then mm-hmm. when you, so you, when you meet people in real life, you felt like it was just like, oh yeah, I've played with you for years now. It's not out of the ordinary, right? The community now is twenty two thousand people on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. How does it perform? Is it one of the top podcasts in your category? Right? I think so. I mean, I I don't really know what other what other shows are doing. I know the shows that are about very specific things like. Boars, Gore, and Swords covers Game of Thrones. And they get like 100,000 downloads yeah. per episode because they only are on air when the season is on. And they're very specific. They talk about per episode. So that's a different kind of show. We're more general interest, more well-rounded. Um, and we're long. We're kind of a long show. We're like 40 minutes. So we do well. And we're definitely a known entity in the space. We have PR people reaching out to us. We, we can snag the, the top authors in, in the category. Um, so I'm very confident in that. And it, it may not be the biggest show out there in the world, but it's, it's, it's a good size for us. And it makes it so we can have kind of one-on-one interactions with the fans and get to know them and not feel like a totally you know, massive entity that can't keep up with everyone. And do you use uh, like sites like Patreon to fund it or do you have advertisements? We're, we're Patreon funded now. We used to be advertised backed, um, but we, we weren't really making any money. We weren't making enough to make the show sustainable. So we switched over to Patreon after Tom had such great success with it. And, you know, now the show pays for itself, which is, which is great. Yeah, that's cool. We actually, we talk about like authors. We Tom and I spoke on a panel in LA, you know, a few months ago, and one of the other panelists gave Tom a sci-fi book that he wrote. Oh, was, really? Oh, yeah. Cool. It was like, hey, read this book. You know, feel free to talk about it on the show. But, <laughs> but we it, don't do book reviews because we just don't have time. We only have time to to read the book club books, and I'm in two book clubs actually. Um, so book club shows. So I have to just read those books and. If I have time for anything else, it's going to be something that I want to read. What's the other book club show? Vaginal Fantasy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What is that? It's a. Um, it's also a genre fiction show primarily, uh, but it also dives into romance. So we read sci-fi fantasy that also is romance or paranormal romance or Regency romance or you know anything that's not your typical like Harlequin romance book. And who do you host that with? Uh, Felicia Day, Bonnie Burton, and Kyla Casby. And is that another show where you're doing, because Felicia, I think, lives down here. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah, do that's mo- all Google Hangout. A lot of Google Hangouts. Yeah. And is that also Patreon backed? No, we don't take any funding for that show. And where'd the name come from? Um, it's supposed to be like a genre name. So instead of just regular fantasy or high fantasy <laughs> or dark fantasy, it's vaginal fantasy. Do you get like people that tune in? They're like, oh, this wasn't what I was expecting. 
every single episode we have yeah. to explain what the show is <laughs> yeah do you do that in the intro you're like look just so you know felicia is, does yeah this is what we do and this is what we're not mm-hmm. like i could see some like teenage boys and like oh yeah this is, sounds awesome and then they get in they're like wait a second i don't want to yeah. read a book totally and so it's like love stories in the sci-fi genre mm-hmm. is that a weekly show monthly a monthly so if you're 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 jay-z essentially except for that beyonce card what um yeah like, we, we we have yet to determine if we will find have the beyonce card it's on the bucket list yeah it's on the bucket list do you so do you i mean what's your your day is like blending together you have mornings noons nights like weekends i mean how there's do you never s- any rhyme and reason to it yeah, yeah. It's, it's just what happens that day happens that day i don't have a set schedule at all i don't really have weekends or just other days except my husband's around more so that's pretty much it and he is he a very obviously he understands what you're doing and oh yeah it's yeah, supportive so mm-hmm. it's not like he married you thinking oh wow you're gonna have a nine-to-five job nope yeah he knew so, what he was getting into for sure so then if if someone is listening to this and they like your shows like what i i hate the advice question but what's the reason i'm asking it is because you you started off when the world was so different and now it's a lot more competitive and pe- a lot more people have access and can create content on their own. Mm-hmm. Like how, how is it different now than when you started? And like how does that play into like when you, people ask you for advice? I think people just get what podcasting is more now and, and get that it can be something that anyone can do. You don't really have to have a lot of special skills to do this. You just have to have the drive and the desire to, to do it and to make it a regular thing and to put the work into it. Um, so I think that's kind of where we're at with podcasting right now. I always say, if, if you want to do a podcast, just start doing a podcast. The barrier to entry is extremely low. Like literally any old schmo can start a show. It's not that hard. <laughs> uh, we don't have superpowers. We're just people who like to talk about stuff. And there's a lot of people out there like that. And you don't have to be extraordinary. You can just be ordinary dude or gal and start your show. Yeah, as long as you enjoy doing it and that's apparent and you're willing to put the time and effort into it to keep it regular, that's really all there is to it. And so when people think about your success, it's not like you just are some overnight, you know, dream. Like you've put this, you know, years in the making. Well, I had the I had the benefit of of starting at a well known company and having that support system in place. So I think, you know, if, if there were anything, it was it was being at CNET and really having that be my first job and, and being able to reach a large audience off the bat. I mean, I, I can't deny that that had a a fact that that was a factor in this whole thing. Um, and being on Twitter very early and and really working hard in the social media space throughout the years has has helped a lot too. But there's YouTubers who start new all the time who build ginormous audiences in a couple of years and way beyond what I do in terms of reach. And because they found something they love talking about and they they are fun and good on camera. And, you know, it's 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 totally democratized at this point. And what about being able to collaborate with people like Tom and Felicia? Yeah, we're a huge support system for each other as well. I mean, we all do each other's shows. We're, you know able to to support each other and and promote each other and you know be there as a as a system in place for for building audiences and and helping each other out so it's it's very valuable as well that's cool the sword and laser of the vaginal fantasy community how would you describe the people that live in these worlds that you're a part of they are as passionate if not more passionate about these worlds than we are and maybe they just don't have time to do a show 
or maybe they just don't have the desire to to speak into the mic or to make a video on YouTube, but they are the heart and soul of what we do as podcasters. Without the audience, we'd just be talking into a void. And we could do that, and I'm sure some people do, and, and they're fine with it, but it's the audience interaction that that drives us and that feeds us and sustains us throughout the years. And they make it literally possible by supporting us financially and emotionally. And uh, it, it would not be it wouldn't be any fun without them. And they're they're definitely why we do this. And do you think they see you as a, as a friend more than anything else than rather than some aspirational host that they look up to is in Revere or is it more of like a connection like a buddy? I hope so. We got a really nice email to Sword and Laser recently uh, uh, from a woman who had moved and hadn't made a lot of friends in, in the new town that she was living in. And she said it was just nice to be able to turn on Sword and Laser and feel like she had some sense of, of comfort or community in this new strange place. And she's like, you know, I was listening to you guys talking and it just felt really good. It felt like I had friends there that I could just kind of relax with for a little while and not feel so stressed out and, and, and weird by being in a new place. And, and that made me feel really good. It made me feel good that we could be comforting to someone and, and make them feel like they had a home, even if that home is virtual and we're just voices in her earbuds and not, not sitting with her at the cafe. Um, but it's, it's enough and, and, and it feels good to have that community and, and be part of that community. It must be, be Tom's uh, melodic voice. The soothing, dulcet ta sounds of, of Tom Merritt, He's yes. He's got that southern drawl <laughs> from his time in Texas. He does. Um, cool. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. That was Veronica. She was great. Loved talking to her. So happy that we connected down at South by Southwest. Every year I go to that conference, and it's one of these events that's really for people that want to connect with other like-minded folks, other givers, people that want to meet people that can help with their careers and give advice and just become friends. You, It's a conference for friends and networking. You know, I interviewed Scott Belsky today, who founded Behance, works for Adobe, and is a, is a very uh, astute thinker when it comes to community building. He's a, a conference called 99U. And I'll post this episode in the future, but we're talking about how conferences today, you can go anywhere and talk to anyone at any conference, but you have to meet the right people at the right conferences. So you should never go to conferences just for the content. You shouldn't go just to say, hey, I want to see the speaker talk or I want to go to this panel. You want to go to conferences where you can actually connect with the right people. And you want to meet with them through cold outreach or through friends of friends or just go up to them in, at the conference and say hi. So I met Veronica because I met Tom and Tom and I hit it off. He lives in LA. So I wanted to just talk about networking for a minute because I believe strongly in building friendships and community is the ultimate uh, value of the influencer economy if you want to help build an audience that you can sell products to in the long run. So for Tom, I was on a panel with him at a general assembly in LA a few months back. So we talked about podcasting and podcasting for business on this panel. There's about five of us on it. We hit it off, grabbed coffee a few weeks later. I saw him at South by Southwest literally in the streets. We were eating our pizza. He was eating pizza with Veronica and I was going to an event with another podcasting buddy of mine. So we ended up talking and I met Veronica and you can hear the intro of this podcast. We talked about our encounter down there, but just the value of friendships and building out relationships with people and networking just cannot be understated. So I wanted to say that, uh, you know, I'm teaching a class now called the influencer model, how to sell directly to your audience, the products that you build. 
And I think that's a big model that I'm realizing is direct to consumer is the future of business. So it's all very important that you build communities and audiences to reach people. So anyway, Veronica's done a great job with that. Tom has done equally an amazing job. So they're a great uh, group to talk to. Sword and Laser is a phenomenal podcast if you're into sci-fi. It's a book club. It's a community. Definitely check it out if you're a reader of that genre of, of uh, content. And also, Vaginal Fantasies is her other show that she has with Felicia Day and a few others. So she's awesome. I was so happy to uh, have her on the show. She embodies so much of the influencer economy. And like I said, it's all about the friendships and relationships you cultivate when you go to, to conferences or events or really putting yourself out there trying to meet people. So anyway, wanted to thank you all for listening again. Episode 50. It's a big one. It's a big one, but not really. It's one of many. Hopefully the next 50 will be just as good as these first 50. So uh, thanks again for listening. So grateful. As always, hit me up, Ryan, at InfluencerEconomy.com. If you have any questions about podcasting or feedback for the show, also accepting pre-orders for the book. So email me there as well, and I'll give you the lowdown on that. Finally, uh, on iTunes, leave a review, please. We'd love to hear what you think. And if you help me get reviews, it helps me get the podcast more surface than iTunes. And iTunes is very important to getting podcast listeners for growing the community. And I also have a private Facebook group. So if you want to be a part of that, hit me up as well. And then finally, at Ryan J. Will on Twitter. Make sure you check out at Veronica on Twitter for reaching her, swordandlaser.com, and all of the podcasts are on iTunes as well. So thanks again for checking this out. Heading over to Duke Zebert's for some chicken in the pot. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to episode number 51 of the Influencer Economy. This is Ryan Williams. So glad that you're here. My guest this week is Sang Unkar. 